0: everything that goes on in your business is connected to everything else in your business. And the role of the CFO is really to look at all of that information and then connect the dots so that you're looking at it from a big picture, kind of strategic picture, but with the ability to use actual data
1: there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Work Less, Earn More. Today, I am joined by Susan Bowles, who is a virtual CFO for online entrepreneurs. Susan focuses on helping businesses get clear on their numbers and truly understand what the inner workings are at a deeper level so that they can make more intentional and purpose-driven decisions. Now, I'm really excited to have Susan here with us today because I want to learn more about how we can all more step into that CFO role in our businesses and make more strategic decisions overall. So hi there, Susan, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So could you just start out by telling us a little bit about what it means to be a virtual CFO and what sorts of things you help your clients with? Yeah, sure. So being a CFO, kind of the
0: CFO role in any business is to take a whole bunch of data, sometimes financial, sometimes operations data, sometimes it's HR data, uh, and pull that all together and kind of look at the business as, I like to think of it as an ecosystem. You know, everything that goes on in your business is connected to everything else in your business. And the role of the CFO is really to look at all of that information and then connect the dots so that you're looking at it from a big picture, kind of strategic uh, picture, but with the ability to use actual data. I'm a huge fan of data. Data is so powerful when you are trying to kind of figure out what direction to grow your business or what direction to go to. Uh, You can make decisions from a place of really from purpose from intention when you are using actual data instead of just guessing or panicking or flying off the cuff so the cfo role can be a lot of different positions so for some people that's they they have an accountant who can help them think strategically like that there's Not very many still, but there's a few bookkeepers that also kind of offer those sorts of services. But it may just be somebody in your business that's tying all of those together. Maybe you have an operations person who looks at their financial data or the rest of your operations data and pulls that together. So I like to think of the CFO role really as a role and less of a position.
1: Mm, that makes sense. So I like that you're pointing that out because I think it's it's good to realize that you don't necessarily have to have someone who is in that position of CFO with that title, but you know after their name in order to have someone doing the job of a CFO in your company so it could be you it sounds like it could be you as the owner of your business or your operations manager or your bookkeeper accountant or possibly even you know a really trusted assistant who's helping you to kind of uh sort through all of that data and make those strategic decisions.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a role. You know, as the business owner, it's really advantageous to you if you can start thinking like a CFO and being able to pull all of those pieces together. That's a really useful skill to have as a business owner. Now, Mm -hmm. the more you do that, the more experience you get, the easier it is to recognize patterns. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for a long time. I can look at financial statements and get a pretty good feel without even talking to anybody really about like what's kind of going in in the business. You know, I can look at a financial statement and say, hmm, what's going on here? And it will give me data to ask questions. So it's a matter of a little bit of experience. It's It's hard to find the patterns if you don't have the, like, if you have no frame of reference.
1: Yeah, Um, that makes sense. So tell me a little bit about kind of like what these conclusions that you'd be looking for, or these patterns that you'd be looking for would be just some examples. So one of my very favorite pieces of data to look at
0: is like the profitability of a particular revenue stream. So this is something that in a lot of the software, the accounting platforms, you can create. With some tags and that sort of thing, you can create basically an income statement for your individual projects or products or services. Like however you bring in your money, Mm -hmm. you can look at that particular line and see how much is it costing you? How much did you actually bring in? How much profit is left at the end? And when you start to compare that across all of your different revenue streams, you can get some really good data that says, oh, wait, this one thing that I'm doing is super profitable. I have like Mm -hmm. an 80% margin on that. But this other thing that I'm doing is taking so long and the costs are so high that, mm, man, my margin on that is only like 30%. -hmm. Well, that gives you some really actionable information to figure out where to go invest your time and money and maybe to consider not doing that other thing unless there's a really good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just one example of it's, Just a tiny piece that if you're looking at your data in the right way, really gives you some actionable information to tell you what to do next in your business.
1: Well, that was a perfect example because it perfectly ties into exactly what this show is all about, which is how can we work less and earn more? And so I can easily see how, if you looked at the profitability of those different revenue streams, that you could make a strategic decision there about maybe to cut one of those products you're selling uh, so that you could work less and earn more. And it's just like such a clear cut way to be able to make that decision. And what I mean by that is like, make it in a really black and white objective sort of way, instead of just trying to do things that are a little bit more productive, so that hopefully you can get a little bit more done. But instead, we're actually like looking at the numbers and basing our decision off of those. So that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's absolutely
0: the goal. And then if you do something like take time tracking data so you track your time whether or not you're charging out your time you're tracking your time and how much time you and your staff are spending on each of those different streams right the costs may not be in there if you're looking at the profitability but you can actually see wow this one this one thing takes so much time and effort or the customer support for this particular product takes Forever. For some reason, these customers require a lot more support than the customers for our other product. And that's another piece of data that you can bring in. Cause I think oftentimes we tend to make decisions about the products that we want to offer based off of whether or not we like them or mm-hmm. whether or not they sell well. And that's all good stuff to consider when you're saying, should I sell this thing or not? but you really need to look at the whole picture because maybe this is a product that you sell a ton of but you don't make any money on <laughs> in which mm, case mm-hmm. you need to figure out like do i make it how how do i make this cheaper to deliver so it actually creates a profit for me or do i just stop doing it completely so there are a lot of different areas in the business that you can pull some data from and when you put it all together it gives you a pretty good
1: picture to drive your decisions And so you were saying like you might have a product in your business that isn't really making you money, even though you sell a lot of it. But I could also imagine a situation in which you have a product that is making you some money, but it's completely taking up all of your time. And there are things that you could do, you know, maybe other products you're already selling even that if you could push those to the forefront of your marketing, uh, they have a much higher profit margin and maybe take away less of your time. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I imagine... Imagine that the first thing that we need to do in order to be able to start using this data is to start collecting the data. So what are some of your favorite ways to get people to and by people, I mean, especially like online entrepreneurs to start collecting that data? Because I know that that was something that personally I really struggled with for the first several years of my business. I'm not someone who it naturally comes easy to to like track everything that I do. Budgeting has always been difficult for me just because I have to remember to write down the transactions, that sort of thing. Now at this point, I have systems that are working for me, but what are some of your best tips for how to get started with that? And also what are the most important numbers that entrepreneurs start tracking as soon as possible? possible. So for me, if you're going to
0: pick one thing to track, it's your time. Because it is a resource, especially in a service kind of business, it's very limited. It's literally the inventory you have in your in your business. So if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, if you correlate that to a retail store, they have actual products that they're selling, and that's your inventory. But as an entrepreneur, all you have is your time and your team's time, and it is very limited, and you need to make sure that you are spending it on the things that actually matter. So if you're not tracking your time, that is an excellent place to start. And there's a lot of really easy time tracking apps that are free, Toggle is one that I love because it's got like timers everywhere. <laughs> and, and that's just a good place for you and your team to start because there's some pretty actionable data, even just from time even if you're not going to tie into any of the financial systems. Um, So would you
1: actually recommend starting tracking time over tracking your financials? Yeah, because (laughs) a lot of really strong (laughs) statement coming from a CFO. (laughs) It is. But
0: I am a CFO. I'm a little bit unconventional, but I also believe that there's a lot of well, I think tracking your financials is important. And I'm not saying don't track your finances. Yeah. I'm saying if you have to pick one thing, using where you're spending your time is probably gonna create a bigger impact in what you what your business actually accomplishes, because mm-hmm. you will notice that you maybe are spending time doing things that don't matter, or you're spending time on administrative stuff, or you're you know, maybe you can't figure out why you're not selling things, but then you look and you see, oh, I didn't actually spend any time trying to sell anything. That's a pretty mm-hmm, good indication yeah. of why you're not selling <laughs> things. So, if you're picking one data point, I would say time tracking. Number two is your finances. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because that's those totally are really
0: sense. like, those are very kind of interactive. When you have the two of those together, you can make some really powerful decisions about your business. And between the two of them, they don't take a ton of time. Like, you're not having mm-hmm. to implement big systems or crazy things. You pretty much need an accounting system and a time tracking system. And even if you're not like actually bringing the data together, you can still make some assumptions about your business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I do like about the idea of starting tracking your time first, if you're not tracking anything at all right now, is that time is perhaps the easiest thing to track. Like you mentioned the app Toggle, which is actually what I use and what my team uses to track their time is a free app. And I mean, you can literally just click a button when you start working on a task and it'll start tracking it for you. And then you hit the button again when you stop. So yeah, just very like low barrier of entry to get started yes. with tracking something. Okay. And then let's move into talking about tracking those five financials. What's the easiest way to get started there? So my preference is probably, it. it is the
0: easiest. It's not the cheapest. So we'll go with that. My preference of accounting software, I like Xero, which is X-E-R-O. It's a QuickBooks competitor. And it's designed from the ground up to integrate with other tools. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons it's my favorite because it plays nice with everything. It has a Zapier integration. It You can literally connect it to anything. And that makes me happy because I want my data to live <laughs> and be able to be accessed in a lot of different places. The second reason I really, really like it, and it's a kind of capability that a lot of people don't think to use, is that it has something called tracking categories. And if you are familiar with like how tags work in normal you know, in like a project management software or Mm -hmm. in your email marketing, it has those tracking categories are basically tags. So you can create a tracking category for every single one of your different products or your different revenue streams or your different services. And then Mm -hmm. that tag allows you to tag every single transaction with the appropriate product. And then at the end, you can actually run a report in there. You can do an income statement, which is your profit and loss that tells mm-hmm. you kind of where the finances in your business are. You can run that with each column having its own product. Basically, you can run a mini p for each one of your products. And mm, that's really, really interesting. like it's once you've got it set up, Zero has, you know, automation rules. So if you have a particular software that you use for this product, you can create a rule that says, every time I pay this bill, give it this tag. Mm -hmm. So from a bookkeeping perspective, it's really efficient because once you kind of set up all of those rules, you just go and say, yep, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And that's it, that's all you have to do for bookkeeping, which means that your data is more accurate. Your bookkeeping data ends up being more accurate and faster and more current, which is also really important. Mm -hmm. But you can basically, at the touch of a button, hit run and see how profitable each of your individual revenue streams are side by side, which gives you a really, really good picture. As long as your bookkeeping is accurate, then you, in, at the touch of a button, you know exactly what's going on at any moment in your business.
1: Mm-hmm. So that ties right back into that example you gave us previously of you know one thing we could do with the status to look at the profitability of each product and use that to make decisions about which products to keep or to discard or to focus on with our marketing. And so using this feature in this particular software, uh, we could easily calculate that profitability of each product and figure out what the profit and the loss is for that product.
0: Yeah, you could certainly do this if you're like an Excel person, you could Mm -hmm. certainly do it in Excel. I'm just not a fan of using manual processes for bookkeeping because in my experience, people just stop doing it because it's too much of a pain. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, which was a challenge that I definitely ran into. Like I said, I used to really struggle with just like keeping the records, really. I know a lot of people who are listening to this right now, their business is still small and, you know, they're maybe kind of bootstrapping and they're on a bit of a budget And so I do think that, you know, getting started with even a really simple spreadsheet and getting in the habit of that can get you a lot more, can be a really good, like, personal development practice as the CEO of your business to be touching those numbers, because that was what it really did help me to finally create some shifts in my business when I was having to look at the numbers, when I forced myself to practice that habit. But then at a certain point, like I, even though I had the habit, I, it was still really tough for me to maintain. And the more complex the numbers got, the more difficult it was for me to actually get myself to sit down and keep tracking that. And so then I would start missing transactions and yeah it was it just got messy and so i had to switch to an automated system like you're talking about
0: yeah in in my experience it's worth the 30 bucks a month to mm-hmm. you know bookkeeping for you know my business or my clients takes me about 10 minutes a week and that's it and then my numbers are accurate i'm making decisions based off of current information not information from six weeks ago or six months ago or whenever you last did it. And it also keeps it keeps you from making mistakes. You know, you connect to your credit card feed or your bank feed. You don't miss transactions. You know your numbers are correct. And that is really powerful. If you are making, making database decisions is good, only if the data is good. Um,
1: so as a CFO, what you're doing is you're sorting through these numbers, but the the outcome that you're working on is helping your clients to make these strategic decisions based on the numbers. So, could we dive into strategy? Talk to me about what, in your opinion, strategy means for a small business.
0: So, strategy, I think, means different things depending on where you are in your business. So, if you are really early stage, you know, and you're still kind of in that experimentation stage, you don't really know, Um, you're evolving really quickly, strategy might just mean having a plan, or (laughs) having a plan to experiment. Or as long as you are acting with purpose, to me, that's a strategy, you understand why you're making the decisions that you're making, and that they come
1: from a place
0: of purpose, a place that is driving you in the direction that you want to go.
1: So would you say that strategy kind of has two parts? One is the purpose or the objective, and then the other part is the plan of how you are working towards that purpose or objective? Yeah, absolutely. There's the, you know, the plan and the execution.
0: And they play together, and depending on how what stage you are in your business, that plan, that strategy might go a quarter. You know, if you're really early stage and you're shifting a lot and you're trying to find good fit in the market or you're the right kind of clients, you know, you don't really want to plan out too far. (laughs) There's, There's a lot of times where having a very specific thought out plan can actually hold you back, especially when you're in that experimentation stage. Now, once you are kind of, you've found a good fit, you're past that stage and you're working on scaling, your strategy might be much longer term. But the thing that comes, that brings it all together is moving from a place of purpose having that intention and then how are you going to execute that intention over mm-hmm. whatever time frame makes sense for where you are in business
1: this episode is brought to you by startup society if you run an online business or you're thinking about starting one then startup society is the place for you it's a boot camp training program for entrepreneurs plus an incredibly supportive membership community If you're looking for a framework to make building an online business as simple and straightforward as possible, then that's exactly what you'll find inside Startup Society. Every month, we create a step-by-step action plan for our members to follow to create a specific result in their business so that they can keep moving forward and growing. Past action plans have helped our members write their websites, launch online courses, and hire their first employees. And when you become a member, not only will you get access to our future action plans, but you'll also get access to our entire library of past action plans, including the ones that I just mentioned. You'll also get business coaching directly from me during our live monthly coaching sessions. During these sessions, you can ask any business questions that you have so that you can make sure that you get the answers you need in order to be able to keep moving forward and not get stuck. As a member, you'll also be invited into our membership community where you can connect with other online entrepreneurs who are crushing it so that you can be inspired and make some lasting connections. If you're interested in becoming a member of Startup Society, then there's no time like the present to make that happen. To sign up, just head to gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. And as a listener of this podcast, I have a special offer for you. You can become a member of Startup Society for $10 off every single month. Just use code EARNMORE when you are signing up. Again, that code is EARNMORE, all one word, and it will give you $10 off your monthly membership costs. If you want to turn your online business into a success as quickly and as strategically as possible, then I would love to work with you to make that happen. And now let's get back to the episode. So I imagine that people have purposes or goals, plans that are all all over the place. Like People are interested in doing different things in their businesses. They have different challenges they're facing. For a small business that I know a lot of our listeners are either service-based businesses or they're course creators, what are some of the different objectives, different types of objectives that they might want to consider as a goal to be working towards with their strategy?
0: I think the one for me that it always comes back to is, are you building a business that you want to run? And that might seem weird coming from a CFO. You know, you're expecting me to say like, you know, big financial things, but really you want to make sure that every decision you're, you're making is taking you in the direction that you actually want to go. Because it can be so easy to build a business that works, that you could run, But isn't really the business you should be running or you want to be running? You know, there are a lot of waypoints along the road where you have a choice to make. And that particular choice could take you in two very different business directions. And you need to know what kind of a business do you want to grow? Do you want a business where you are prioritizing your time? You want a lot of life in your work-life balance, you know, not a lot of administration. Or are you building a business that you want to have a team? Do you want to be a manager of managers or do you want to work with clients and just be a small shop? Like those are both very legitimate choices, but the they inform the execution <laughs> (laughs) of what your business is going to look like. And so I think that is probably the number one thing that I would say when you are taking into consideration, building your strategy, make sure it's informed by what you actually want to grow. And don't get kind of thrown off the path by what people tell you you should do or what you feel like you Mm -hmm. could do. So that's probably my number one kind of guiding direction.
1: That's so good because I do think it is so easy to get distracted by just the goals we see other people pursuing. Even if no one is actually telling you you should, you know, you don't have a a parent or a coworker or something who is telling you, you know, you should go after this goal. We see the goals that other people are going after, especially on social media. And then we also have that very obvious goal that we could be going after, which is just to increase revenue or just to increase profit. Uh, And I would say that that's kind of the easier goal or the default goal goal. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the goal that really makes sense for you, because there are so many different things that you might want out of your business. And so we need to really personalize those goals. And so one question I wanted to talk to you about was like, where should strategy really start? And based on what you just said, it sounds like strategy should start from a place of clarity about what you personally want out of your business. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to start with you. Our, our
0: businesses, especially as like service businesses or personal brands or course creators, our, our businesses reside with us. We are the heart and soul of the business. And that's what being a service business is often about. That doesn't ha- mean that you have to like be super emotionally connected or that you can't step out of it <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. But when we are creating a business, our businesses take on our characteristics, and it's going to go in whatever direction that you as the founder decide to take it. So you have to start with what a clear picture of what you want to build. And that might be something as simple as, like, I'll give you a direc- an example from my own personal life. Mm-hmm. So the first business I opened was a guest ranch. My husband and I bought a guest ranch. My son was one, and... <laughs> We ran it by ourselves. There was a bar, there were cabins, we did horseback ride things. And what we realized was we did not want to run that kind of business. <laughs> our son was one. I was, you know, cleaning cabins with him in the hiking backpack. You know, he was crawling around the bar. That we decided we did not want that for our life. Originally, it was, you know, it was our dream to run a BMB not what we actually wanted for our life. And so Mm -hmm. we ended up selling it because it wasn't the business we wanted to build. Was it a business we could run? Sure, absolutely. We did a good job at it, but it wasn't what we wanted for ourselves. And so when I created ScaleSpark, it was coming from a place of what do I want my business to look like? What do I want my day to look like? you know what kind of work do i want to do that all really informed what i chose to do and so i think that's where it has to start is what kind of business do you want to run and what kind of work do you want to do and what do you want your day to look like you know there's a really different business model between being a you know a branding agency and being a course creator those are two really different mm-hmm. looking feeling <laughs> businesses and they're they take really different skills to operate and so That's something that you need to think about at the beginning because they're both viable business models. And you can certainly create whatever kind of business model or offer that you want. I mean, we're a service business, we can literally decide whatever. But if it's not coming from what you genuinely want to create, what usually happens is you'll end up building a really successful business that you hate and want to burn to the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been there too. That was kind of the case with my first business as well. And, you know, I can see how not only is it important that we are starting from this place of clarity, but also how it could be so important who we surround ourselves with, especially in terms of who we're learning from, because, Mm -hmm. you know, most people who are listening right now and myself included, you know, we have these business mentors, whether they're people we know in real life or, even more likely, people online who we look up to and who we're learning from. But the fact is that any business mentor, whether they are someone who teaches business or they're just like an entrepreneur that we respect and look up to, they have their own ideas about you know the business that they want to be building. And so everything that they're going to be teaching is going to be reflective of that. They're going to be trying to help you reach their goals to some extent or other. And so, like, for example, with me here... I some of my goals for my business are to maximize my profits and minimize the time that I have to spend working in my business so that I can spend more time with my family. And so whenever I'm creating a training for my audience, that is kind of the, the end goal that I'm trying to ultimately help them get towards is helping them to get to work less and to earn more. But that's just something I think that everyone should be, including myself, should be keeping in mind as we're listening to other people and getting advice from other people about like, what kind of business is that person trying to build? And is that really the kind of business that I am trying to build myself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I always love the idea of When you are training with people, take the expertise that they have and then make it your own. You know, my business is an amalgam of different ideas that I've taken from all of the different trainings that I've done or like you said, business mentors that I follow, looking at the things that they're doing and, you know, saying, well, that seems like a fun idea. I'm going to try that out. That seems Mm -hmm. like it might work for me. And then you kind of pick and choose and evolve as you go. You know, nobody's business when they started out looks the same as their business three years down the road. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> and your business three to, you know, three years down the road doesn't look the same as your business 10 years down the road. And it probably shouldn't if you are building a good, strong, resilient business. Um, it shouldn't look the same throughout that course. And at every point in the process, you know, you're always looking for other ideas, other strategies. So take them, integrate them, use the ones that you like and don't use the rest of it you know that's that's why people are out there teaching but also it's up to you to decide what is right for you and what is right for your business
1: Mm -hmm. so starting with that first step of just getting clear about what we want from there what are some additional steps that we can take to create meaningful strategies for businesses
0: So at that point, I think it really depends on your business. And, you know, it's hard to say what exactly you should be doing because everybody's business is different and your strategy Mm -hmm. is going to be different depending on what you're trying to build. So the strategy for a course business is going to be really different than the strategy for growing an agency. And I think the way that you can create a meaningful strategy for you is to start looking at what is your business doing now? What is working? What's not? You know, are there things that you could choose not to do? As as we kind of grow our business, there are limited resources. You have limited amounts of money to invest. You have limited amounts of time to invest. And one of the mistakes I see a lot of people making is doing too many things. You know, you have 15 course products, you have 42 different custom services, and it's really hard to get really, really good and to really sell all of those things. So if you can narrow down, you know, your limited resources packs a much bigger punch against one or two things versus against 15. So to develop the strategy for your business, look at your business and look at what's working now and Look at what could you potentially drop to get a bigger impact from the things that are working.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm a full supporter of that piece of advice there to really narrow things down. I, found that by trying to sell too many things, I was spreading myself way too thin and I really had to narrow it down to not only selling one product, but also narrow down my marketing so that I was really only focusing on one marketing strategy on one platform. Just like every major aspect of running my business, I needed to narrow it down first and master one thing. And then from there, we've been able to grow. I got a DM from someone on Instagram yesterday and she was just reaching out. She said that she'd been following me for a while and that she, wanted some advice. And she said she'd launched a book, she'd created a course, she was trying to grow a YouTube channel, and it didn't seem like anything was working. Why? And I just said, I think you're doing too much. Like, I really think you just need to focus on one thing in your case, because you've already tried like launching products, you really need to focus on building your audience first. So if you've started this YouTube channel, and that's something you want to pursue, I'd start there. Not because YouTube is the end all, but because we need to start with one thing and master that thing first. And starting by, you know, building that audience, it's a really good place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think We see these big name online entrepreneurs doing all of the things, um, thinking that that is where we need to start. And yeah, absolutely. Like one of my first questions when I get into a business is to try and identify what can you stop doing? You know, are Mm -hmm. you trying to show up on every single social media platform? Okay, that's gonna be a lot of work, especially if you have a very small team. You know, where are your people? Do they live on Instagram? Because if they don't live on Instagram, you don't need to be on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I see that so much recently with TikTok. So many people are pushing like, you need to get on TikTok basically because exposure is cheap on TikTok. And I keep wanting to say back, well, but are your people on TikTok? You know, are you trying to sell to 18-year-olds or 16-year-olds or 12-year-olds? If so, get on TikTok. But if not, you know, maybe like pause and think about starting a podcast or something else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, my friend Michelle Warner, she's a business strategist and she has this like 80-20 framework where like 80% of your effort should be going towards the thing that matters, that you know mm-hmm. works, that you know you've established. You know, For me, that's my podcast um, and my client work. And then 20% of your time, you can dabble. If you yep. wanna see if your people are on TikTok, Cool. of your time can go towards experimenting on TikTok and seeing if your people are there. Because I'm a big fan of data. You don't know if your people are there if you Mm -hmm. don't try it, but you don't want to invest all of your resources. And by saying go experiment, I'm saying don't experiment with Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn and (laughs) (laughs) and Facebook. Pick one, go genuinely invest in it. Because I think a lot of times when we're testing something, we don't go all in. You know, we kind of go, meh, you can do like one post and then you're like, oh, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, did it not work because you didn't really try or did it not work because it genuinely didn't work? So to Mm -hmm. me, the way that I like how Michelle has framed it is that, you know, 80%, I can do that. But that 20% is one thing that I am genuinely full on experimenting, trying, testing, seeing what's working for enough time to actually tell if it's going to work. And then I'll go pick something else to experiment. And maybe the thing that I was experimenting on was like, yeah, that was super effective. Cool. That now p- becomes part of the rest of that 80% that I know is working and is doing things for my business.
1: Mm-hmm. I use that same 80-20 framework in my business as well. And the cool thing about it is that if you're working five days a week, 20% of your time is one day a week. And so if you are, like for example, working on marketing your business every day of the week, then on one of those days, you could focus on a different platform, like focus on creating content for a different platform or something like that. Or maybe you have a project that you want to work on with 20% of your time, like you're writing a book or thinking about launching a course and it's experimental. So one day a week, you can devote that time. And the other four days of the week, you can really di- dive into your business in the things that you know are working, that you know are creating those results. Such a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you step into a business, one of the first things, one of the first I think questions you said that you ask them is like where can you save some time in your business? Like where can you re- recapture that time? What are some of the other things that when you step into a business at the and you're onboarding this client, you're initially trying to figure out. What are some of maybe those like primary challenges that you see uh, entrepreneurs might be facing that you try to identify whether or not they are? So for me, I'm always trying to identify the
0: low hanging fruit. Like what is the easiest, biggest payoff that we could just do right now? So for example, financially, one of the things that I do um, with every business that I actually work on is we do kind of an audit. And that is a step-by-step of your software, your team, your products, your finances, like where are you and where are there opportunities? So we dive in and software is a great example. One of the things that I do is I do a software audit, which just means go figure out what you're paying for, what you're using, put it in a list and evaluate if it's still working. And I would say 100% of the time, I'm trying to think if I have had any clients where we haven't found at least one software. And I don't think that's true. There's at least one piece of software that you're paying for that you don't need. You don't use, you don't need. And it's a really easy win to just say, okay, great, go cancel it. That's it. And all of a sudden you have more money in your business and you have one less thing to worry about. And so I'm always looking for those opportunities. Another example is a personal favorite of mine is pricing and invoicing and payments. So invoicing and payments is super critical to your business. Cash flow is be all end all. And if you are someone who is manually sending invoices to ask for payment, that is taking up your time and it's impacting your cash flow. So if you can automate that, either by moving to upfront payments or an automated payment plan, that is something else that you now don't have to do. You can use software, you can use payment products, there's plenty of them, that can take that off your plate. And number one, make your cash flow so much more consistent. And number two, save you a whole bunch of time from having to manually create the invoice, send it, chase them when they don't pay it, worry about whether or not, like when they're going to pay it so that you can pay your team. All of that is tied up. And if you can just switch to a system where they pay you upfront or automatically, that's all gone. That's just something you can just stop doing.
1: So you mentioned basically three different things there. First of all essentially auditing your time and figuring out maybe where you're wasting time right now or things that you're spending your time on that aren't as profitable as they could be. And then you mentioned a software audit. So looking at all the different pieces of software that you're using and how much they cost and whether you're really using them and really need them. And then the third thing was essentially automating payments, it sounds like. And what I love about each of those things is that they are anyone who is right now the person who is running their business, they're the CEO of their business, they could do those things on their own right now. They could put that on their calendar to do those projects and in the process really clean up their business, increase their profits, and work on developing their business further and moving it into a better place.
0: Yeah, that's and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for easy wins because usually Mm -hmm. there's A bunch of those. And once you take care of those, well, then you can start to look deeper into the data, look for better opportunities, look for automation efficiency kind of strategies. But at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of easy wins that have a big Mm -hmm. impact with a pretty little amount of effort.
1: This definitely seems like a case of where, at least for these easier wins, the work itself isn't that hard or that complicated. It's really things that anyone who's running a business can do. And it's just is that we have to have the knowledge to be aware that these would be good activities to work on in our businesses.
0: Yes, absolutely. I like to call these kind of default decisions. So decisions that we make in our business that we don't realize that we're making, and they have a really big impact on our business model and how easy our business is to operate. So something like somebody saying, oh, you know, you really need to bill for time and materials. Well, on the surface, that seems great. But underneath, there's a big workflow of time and effort and systems associated with that. And a lot of the times, you know, If we are creating our business coming out of a particular industry, we bring those industry assumptions with us. So if we Mm. came out of a fancy agency or a consulting kind of background, that's the norm. And we bring that with us, assuming that there are no other options. And when we can find other options, there's usually better places to go. But it's hard when you don't know. You know, you're operating from this place of default and you don't know that there's a better way, a more efficient way, just an easier way to go about doing it. And so I think sometimes it can be hard for us individually to identify what's a default. And for me, it always comes back to ask yourself, why? Why are you making the decision that you're making? Why are you using a particular piece of software? Why do you want to hire a team member? you know, why did you choose that action that you chose? And if the answer is, I don't know, that's the way we've always done it. (laughs) That's how my industry does it. You are probably operating from a place of default. And that's a great place to kind of start digging in to research and find out if there are better ways of doing that particular task.
1: Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that that fable that is told about that woman who cuts off the end of the ham every time she cooks a ham and then she yep. wonders why why am I doing this So she asks her mom then she asks her grandma and what she finds out is basically that her grandma's pan was too small so her grandma cut the end off the ham so <laughs> then her mom always cut the end off the ham so she always cut the end off the ham um, and I think that there's a lot of things that we do in our businesses that even though we maybe don't want to admit it to ourselves because and we don't realize we do for a similar sort of reason. Well, that's the way we've always done it or that's how we saw someone else do it. And so, you know, my final question for you was how can we as entrepreneurs step more into the CFO role in our companies and make more strategic decisions? And I think that that really is largely the answer to that question is Let's just start ask asking why. Why, are, why are we using this software? Why are we making this decision? Why are we selling this product? Yeah, absolutely. That is the
0: number one most powerful question in your business is why are we doing this? And making sure that you have a good reason behind it. Not don't don't let yourself get off easy when you're like, "Oh, because I think it'll be good." Like keep asking why until you have a legitimate purpose and that the thing that you are deciding about serves a real It gives you an ROI in your business. You are getting a return on that investment of time, energy,
1: money, whatever it is, you want to make sure that it's coming from a place of purpose. Something else that I really love about asking, just asking the question of why are we doing this is, I don't know if you've read the book called One Small Step Can Change Your Life. It's, if not, it's a really good book. But in the book, he proposes a few like small types of things that you can do that can have a really big impact on your life and on, you know, reaching your goals and all sorts of things. And one of them is start by asking the right questions. Even if you don't know the answer right now, just asking the right questions will get your mind st- starting to look for the answers, because your mind is really a machine that is built to look for answers to problems it perceives. And so if you can start by asking the right questions, which might be instead of like, how could we get more traffic to our website? But instead, like, why are we using the strategy that we are? Is this the right strategy for us right now? Then we can start to figure those things out. So I think that that really well just answers that last question of how can we step more into that CFO role in our business? How can we start making those more strategic decisions is just asking why we're doing the things that we're currently doing. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we are coming to the end of our time here, Susan, but this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. Uh, Before we do wrap this up, could you just share with the listeners how they can find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is scalespark.co. And
0: you can go find out all about me there and the my podcast is break the ceiling and you can find that wherever you're listening to podcasts and it's you know if you like this kind of topic this is what we talk about a lot it's unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost profit, increase operational capacity really with the goal of educating people about alternative strategies that you can use to combat those default decisions.
1: Sounds really good and really helpful. We will definitely include links to both of those resources, your website and your podcast in the show notes for today's episode. So thank you again so much, Susan, for taking the time to be here today and for everything that you have shared with us about making more strategic decisions in our businesses and becoming more of that CFO. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is really fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do that, make sure to tag me at Gilliam Z Perkins so that I can see that you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so that they can learn how to work less, earn more and take back their lives. And when you share, I want to add it to my stories so that you can get some exposure that way as well. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave it a review to give the show a boost. Every single week, I feature a review on the podcast, and I would love to give you and your business a shout out. So if you leave a review, it will help the show, but it can also help your business as well. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Ghislaine Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.